You are now entering the House of Dave. The House of Dave. The House of Dave. It's now time for the House of Dave. Now over to your host, Elliot Webster. What's going on, everyone? And welcome back to the uh, House of Dave podcast. Um, hope you're all doing well. Uh, just a quick one from me since the last podcast I can inform you all that our first guest BPRL Goblin aka Alex has actually won an event for the first time so congrats to him um, but now sticking with the world of motorsport um, we've got our next guest who is another petrol head uh, he is the head judge for the Drift Outlaw series an absolute master of drifting on games such as Forza Motorsport and Forza Horizon and he also happens to be one of my best mates. Tyler Kelly is joining us on the House of Dave podcast. Right, Dave? Hi, Lev. How's it How's going? How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> so, you ever done a podcast like this before? Never. So, basically, just going to have a chat. I mean, it's now what? Nearly four. Yeah, 3.35 in the morning on a Tuesday, now Wednesday. Now Wednesday. Oh. And we've still got to do photography. Yeah, we're going out doing photography later, getting some dusk pictures. Um, but starting off with that, uh, I sold you quite well on drifting. You have, you have. I feel like a famous guy, you know. It's like I'm back in the world of drifting, but I'm not, not quite. Mm. I now have a child, by the way. Yeah, li- the little girl who I've met, she is tiny tiny even smaller now born five pound two and it's now four pound sixteen i didn't know it went up that high in the secondary numbers but mm. it does i i don't get it like i i do kilos maybe stone yeah but yeah. pounds well what is all this <laughs> we need to just get one system sorted worldwide yeah but yeah drifting <coughs> drifting well Depends on where you want me to start from, really. Well, let's start with how... I mean, I've said you're a head judge of a series. So how does the judging actually work? Well, for a weekend, you get so much drivers. So the first round I ever judged was a set-out, not only for the crowd, um, but but for drivers, because we shared a car park outside of the biggest Nissan factory in Europe which is actually in Sunderland um, with a group of monster trucks and motorbike riders who are all crap just I'm just going to say that because every time the monster trucks went out they broke and took about 40 minutes to recover from the track mm. and then when they did break well all the fluids which half the ocean's worth of intercooler fluid, differential fluid, gearbox fluid, spewing all over the track. 50 tons of crude oil. Yeah, so (laughs) my first day of judging went extremely well, because apart from that, I kind of went out the night before to celebrate the fact I was a judge and walked out of a club in Newcastle at about six in the morning and driver's briefing was at half seven and I was still a complete city away from where I'm supposed to be 
Um, very, very drunk. Took some paracetamol. Don't do it at home, kids. Don't. And yeah, so, but then getting back to it, so you have 50 drivers mm. turned up for that event. That's how much we offer because any more than that, practice can get a bit busy. And the idea for our series was seat time, where, you know, other series like BDC, IDC have 100 plus drivers. Mm. So you've got to try and fit 60 to 80 drivers in each class into a practice session that lasts about three hours mm. now if someone goes off luckily for us it was a car park and the only thing we had to put back into place was barriers but anywhere else you know you get <coughs> excuse me you get you know gravel traps and that's about you know five ten minute recovery depends on how buried they are but yeah luckily we're at a car park with 50 drivers Plenty of seat time. That was the slogan for the championship, really. We try and do something different for, um, or the, rather than whatever people do. So, fifty drivers, and they all on a, on a, in a driver's briefing. They're told where, like by me, because mm. at the time I was the head judge, so I was like kind of the voice as well, which got thrown straight into the jeep end. Um, so you're telling them before practice session where they need to be on track, clipping points, speed points, angle points, and if they, where they, if they drop wheels, it'll be a zero and stuff like that. Hmm. So the judging side of it was pretty simple because it wasn't a really bit, a big track. Um, hmm. um, the layout could have been a lot better than it was, but apparently the layouts that they proposed were too dangerous to the crowd, and to be fair... The year before, before our series was run that event, which the actual event was called BHP Show. Mm. Um, there used to be a huge wooden fence that separates like a massive ditch, about seven, eight foot ditch between another fence and then a huge bank where all the crowd mm. were. But a few cars with the layout last year were coming around the first corner and going straight through the fence and mm. into the ditch. In which one driver he went through it so hard that the wooden pillar went straight through his car and missed his driver's seat by about a foot. Fucking hell! Which would have killed him instantly if it had gone the wrong way. So, so, so who de- who determines the layouts? The, um, that's another topic which we'll get into as to why. Unfortunately, at the start of this interview, he wasn't told, but our series drift outlaws is kind of shut down for the time being and I have got other opportunities and other championships to judge now so I don't think I'll take further part in Drift Outlaws because the organisation was just mediocre and unprofessional but at least you've got it under your belt to say you're yeah. the head judge of a series of Drifting yeah yeah um, Yeah. so we'll get get to that a bit later mm. um, but ideally the judges are the people that design the track layer mm. because you know it's what you're going to be judging yeah. for the next two days you're going to be tasking the drivers to achieve for two days three days if you do a practice on friday some some venues let us do that but um yeah so the judging gets difficult when you've got a narrow 50 drivers down to 32 mm. 
Um, and, you know, when the drivers that don't qualify get a bit angry mm. and stuff like that. And yeah, so you set a criteria. How many clipping points? So the clipping point on the first event, we had seven, um, all outside zones, because front clips are just boring nowadays. Um, mm. It's all about where you get the rear of the car, because front clips take away on a lot of race, 90% of racetracks, the ability to chase, because if you've got a car going in for a, a front clip, they tighten their line, which that means the chase car doesn't really have room to um to like maneuver to, yeah, to maneuver behind yeah. you so you either cloud them in smoke or cut the line so tight that they're also following you but then they've come up short mm. because they're in your smoke trail and then that just causes a lot of problems and, it's and i mean from a crowd perspective as well i mean seeing someone like nearly clip the nose of the car yeah is nowhere near as interesting as someone like what is it daiko saito yeah, Daigo Saito, yeah, yeah. When he can, like, put his complete arse of the car uh, riding Na- against the you wall. You mean Naoki Nakamura, yeah. 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 yeah but like, <laughs> well, they both do it, but Naoki Nakamura, yeah, it, he, it's, it's home track is Mayan, hmm. which is spelled M-E-I-H-A-N, if you want to look that up. And the, pretty much the first videos that will come up are him and his team, which is Team Burst, and hmm. you'll see exactly what me and Elliot are on about um, mm. so yeah so seven clips all rear clips easy clips as well um, apart from the second one which favoured big powered cars because it was a long sweeping bend so cars with not much power would come up short or accelerate away whereas big power cars can hold the slide put the power down and get to it um, mm. I think the highest yeah the highest qualifying score of the day was 92 by Matt Carter, which he is now two-time BDC Pro Champion. Mm. Um, and to be able to, you know... Who weirdly, was on, weirdly was on a night out in Cardiff the other week. Yeah, he was a few months ago. <laughs> his stag do with uh, his uh, f- old fellow teammate at the time, Paul, Paul Cheshire, because they both drove for Team Falcon UK, which unfortunately... Uh, are no longer, which Matt Carter took his uh, team or took his side adrift into uh, Team Jet Speed and in his second season with him won the championship. Congrats to him because it was a terrific season. It was good to see a UK driver back on the throne of uh, being a champion in this country as a Irish guy has won it for the past three times. Well, two Irish people, Shane O'Sullivan and Jack Shanahan, who's back-to-back, first ever back-to-back. And he's 17, 17 years old and is back-to-back BDC Pro Champion. And those two years, back-to-back IDC, runner-up and pro. And also the next year, he came, the year Matt Carter won it, which was last year, uh, he came second in pro for BDC and won the IDC. So his record for three seasons and two championships is a win, Two wins and a second, and two wins and a second. That's well. Sticking with Irish drifters, there's four people that I want to mention. You've mentioned two already. We got Jack Shanahan. Yeah. Um, and then there's three others that I wanted to mention. Sorry. Connor Shanahan. Connor. Probably. Yeah. James Dean. James Dean, and probably the most famous one that most people who are listening to this will know, Shane Lynch. Shane Lynch, yeah. 
who sure. you happen to be very good friends with. I do, yes, yes, for many, many years now. Mm. For those millennials who are listening, Shane Lynch was really big in the 90s, early noughties, should we, could we push yeah, for that? Yeah, could push early noughties, when Vernon Keaton went and done his own thing with Roller Coaster, I think the song was. Yeah. Um, <coughs> yeah, so uh, Shane Lynch... Start off with Shane Lynch because he's the, you know, the easiest one to do. A few mm. people, or quite a few people, if they're listening, will understand him. He used to do GT racing and was very, very good at it, to be fair. And he nearly won the championship until an amateur driver spun in front of him. He had nowhere to go and ripped the TVR off on a final lap of the final British GT race of that speculation. And unfortunately, ended his championship. Um, he got invited to a drift day by Stobart, Eddie Stobart um, company, and absolutely loved what people were doing with the with you know with Japanese cars and doing that. So he got into it, bought his own car, Team Chat Speed. From that point onwards, picked him up straight away, and then from then on, he's been on with him, which is ten years now. Won his first ever event as well. Mm. Um, which was back in Teesside, in which then I met him at Landau and he came second. And then um, placed high up in the championship that year. But as always with Shane, because he's a very, very busy man, doesn't really get to, you know, stay and compete in a full season. He has a lot of obligations to do. He's not just there. Uh, well, that's know. it. He's it's almost like a secondary drifter, I suppose. Yeah. You could class it that way. But sticking with Shane, his car. Yeah. That's an interesting one. It is an interesting one. So, to be fair. Yeah, so most people, as you can imagine, like if you watch like racing or any motorsport, you know that they have liveries which are full of sponsors and stuff. Shane Lynch's car, you've shown me before. Yeah. Very interesting because, do you want to tell them or? I'll tell them, yeah. Because yeah. you well, know better than I do. His car this year, well, last year, um, obviously as Elliot just said with a lot of money and to be fair very very good talent in drifting comes a lot of sponsorship which um, yeah tends to that's where your library of your car disappears to is obligations Sp- to your sponsors yeah. I mean you look at F1 yeah them cars are just plastered with different yeah, like companies and some stuff. Yeah, some of the some teams, but the library of F one cars are a bit you know, boring. But um, yeah, with you know lower forms of motorsport where you stick stickers on cars is very very important. Uh, if you've got a big sticker on the side of your car, that's what we would call about eleven, you know, about a ten ten thousand pound sponsor box on the side of your car. And then the other is smaller, they offer you whatever amounts of money. Um, but yeah, just going off topic a bit. But anyway, going back to Shane Lynch's library last year, I hope it's the same this year because we didn't really get to see him much because of car dramas, which unfortunately have played um, Shane Lynch now for a number of seasons. But his car was completely coated white and then he got some artists graffiti artists to sharpie his car so his entire car is completely sharpie 
there's a video of them doing it as well, which is on the Teen Jazz Speed YouTube channel. It's like a three minute long video. Yeah, we'll put a link in the um, description for this podcast. But yeah, current. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so his entire library was Sharpie. And I think where his prominent sponsors were, they Sharpied them in as well. I can't uh, properly remember the the library because to be fair I have not really seen much of it since uh, round one uh, where it was uh, debuted and unfortunately he didn't qualify for that round because um, like I said earlier car dramas um, but his car looked a lot lot prominent a lot more prominent a lot more focused um, they took a supercharger which they developed themselves um, off which they've been running for the past two seasons because it kept on um Blowing, blowing the engine and forcing too much air in, you can you know regulate with fuel and oil pressure properly, and a lot of a uh, lot of uh, problems occurred. So they took that off, beefed up the engine a lot more with uh, bigger engine upgrades like forged internals, bigger internals, bigger injectors to force more air in, but more reliable power, which is what we were told and because I've not been in drifting as much this year because of uh, you know other obligations other obligations uni Me. baby yeah you've just um, had a child for god's sake yeah exactly <laughs> um, so I've not really been able to find out what actually happened but I didn't get to see him or well, he wasn't really at many events this year and part of that is because obviously who he is and also he's one of Monster Energy's biggest athletes so if they require him to be over in a certain country, that's his obligation because mm. I think obviously that's where his money is mm. or that's where a lot of the sponsorship comes. Yeah, I mean, we we could sit here all day talking about the world of drifting, but there is one driver that I do want to talk about and that's mainly because of his story with drifting and stuff and that is James Dean. James Dean, yeah. Now, James Dean. I mean, first of all, his name. Yeah. In terms of drifting, James Dean. Yeah. And the fact that, like, years cut to the chase pretty much with James Dean. The man is 25 years old, yeah. Um, going on 26 for next year. And he, every year, he has competed. Since the, he first ever competed, he has won a championship. Now, he started competing when he was 15, I think, or 14, in a Sierra estate, which he turned up at an oval with drivers who had been doing it for, you know, Good three, three years before him. Um, two drivers to name, uh, Darren McNamara, who's a very, very famous Irish drifter as well, and also Damien Mulvey, who rose to fame, and I think he's going off and doing his own own thing now is like oval stock car racing but um yeah these drivers their machinery for that era wouldn't really be too put out nowadays and he turns up in a sierra and won his class which is just unreal so his dad bought him an s14 he then won every round he competed in um well I think yeah, I think it was every round. But regardless, he won the Irish. No, he won the Super Series that year, which that's where he was. He was yeah. So if, if 
few few more seasons on, sixteen years old or fifteen years old, gets um, wins the yeah it was called yeah Pro Drift. It was called Pro Drift back then before it's called IDC now. So Pro Drift, he won the Pro Drift the Super Series, which was like a European series. Mm. Won that. Um, his car was quite a low powered three hundred, maybe four hundred horsepower. SR20 build in which then the final round final rounds for both series GDM All, JDM All-Stars and uh, J- Project Super Series they upgraded to an RB26 which is like 600 horsepower I think which 16 years of age gets invited to the biggest stage of drifting on the planet at the time and I don't think it's ever been done since where the Red Bull energy drink organisation had a massive stake in Formula D which is the American series so in 2008 this was it was a very very big series then and it is still now pretty much the premier of drifting now it's overtaken Japan anywhere on the planet he got invited to that at 16 years of age and qualified well but didn't finish well in the 32 drivers that got invited over due to to be fair he did go against um Oh, I pronounce his name, but uh, Jeng Jengu Tan Khan, which is he's actually a prince of Mal- in Malaysia. Yeah, so he went against him, um, forced into a one more time battle and another one more time battle before James pushed a little bit too hard and and crashed. But I can categorically say he's never had a loss like that ever since. So yeah, I mean, I was the just next... about to say, if you're going to sum up his career in one phrase, it's the man doesn't lose. Yeah, he does not lose whatsoever. And if he does, it's either car error or car failing or he's unwell or the his opponent is dirty tactics driving, mm. which tends to happen. I mean, I remember when we were watching Formula D last summer yeah, and it was, um, I can't remember what driver he was against, but um, there was contact, but it never got picked up by the judges or something like that. Yeah, I think, or it's just like you know, he's um, locked up and stuff like that. Yeah, so I think what Elliot is saying, I think it was a Seattle round where, or well, not Seattle, I think he won that one. But one of the events last season, um, a driver kind of dove into an inside clip too early. And James was following that line as well. And the idea with that is the late the lead car is the idle line. That car has to be doing the qualifying line that the judges have set. And if you're doing it properly, you can chase it properly. If you're not doing it properly, it's very difficult to chase. So what James Dean did was do what every other driver would do is try to follow the qualifying line set by the car in front, but Unfortunately, he dove in too early, and James put two wheels off track, I think, and then got the the wind taken off him. Um, but he did lose last year in Formula D or two, where one the car was just too quick for him to chase on the layout he was on, and the other one was pretty much this guy's best ever performance. Who was that? Jonathan Castro where oh, yeah, I remember. in the top yeah. 16 it was probably one of the best battles you'll ever see if you do want to go and watch that that battle it's on Network A I think or it'd be on YouTube easily because it was one of the if not the best battle of last season 
um, where round three, no, round two, Orlando Speedway, uh, top 16, James Dean versus Jonathan Castro. James Dean and his, you know, Sylvia, fresh off a win from round one as well. First ever time, go, well, he went over in 2010 in an underpowered car and blew everyone away. Um, but first full season, and we've been waiting for this for many years because someone actually has a chance to win in Europe. Um, but yeah, he went over to America, um, round two. A lot of people said he'd lose at that track, um, which, in fairness, he did. For one of the only ever times I've ever seen, probably it's five times in my whole life where I've watched James Dean lose fair and square. Um, so this guy chased him well and just, in a tight section, just got close enough to swing the judge's favour. And it was it was an epic battle. We could talk about it for, for ages, but it's one of those you have to well, watch you have to see it to understand, yeah. Because James Dean's chase run was not shy at all. That was mm. a, the best chase chase run a driver could possibly do. But Castro's chase was just about just that tiny bit better. But to put this in, into perspective, Castro finished below the top fifteen in the end of the series, where James Dean won the series, and. Yeah, so imagine this. Yeah, you, we've from two thousand eighties won five Irish series and five of six European series. Mm. We've won a, dr- a drift all star series three times. He won the European Pro Drift series twice and five IDC type five or four IDC titles, in which and one year while he was away in in drift all stars out of five rounds in the IDC he competed in two. Qualified first and won them both, which made him finish second in the championship. And he's only done two rounds out of five. And if you want to add that to more perspective, after fresh off the win from Formula D, which is the biggest stage, he, him and his team, uh, Worthouse Drift, went over um, after a year of you know hard, hard planning. It was coming. We all saw it coming. It's actually a decent topic to talk about, to be honest, because we all saw it coming. Um, a lot of a lot of the best parts about drifting is the conversations we have in a pit lane about others. Yeah, one of my favourite parts about drifting after an event, you know, the sun's going down, we're all really, really worn out. Been a really long weekend, and then we talk about what has happened in the event and occasionally and happens quite a lot there are other series going on at the same time mm. James Dean was competing in the Polish series which is Driftmasters and we were all having a chat saying he has to go over to Formula D mm. he's, he's done everything he can now in this country mm. he wins it every year you know he won the IDC championship and the JDM uh, no, the Drift All-Star series in the same year mm. which is just ridiculous because he missed one round as well yeah. at the IDC so in order to do that especially with drivers like Dwayne McKeever and Jack Shanahan really really like mm. the top of their game in in the in the Irish series which mm. they're almost like James Dean in the sense where no one else can beat them mm. they only beat each other yeah I mean, I mean that's the thing and it? it's like in all walks of sport almost every now and then there'll come someone who's just it like you've got it in you know like rugby you've got people like Israel Falau and they're just it yeah. Lewis Hamilton in F1 
Yeah. At the moment, he is, you know, he, is, if he has a lot of, you know, you can add a lot of Lewis yeah. Hamilton success to the vehicle and the team yeah. he's with. But, but at the end of the day, lot of he's the one behind the wheel. Yeah. He is the one that's driving the car. So that's with, it. And the thing with James Dean as well, which from watching him at a couple of the Formula D things that we've watched on the yeah. TV, it's like he's always the kind of person who asks, like, right, what next? Like, I've done this, what next? Yeah. I've now won in Europe, what next? Yeah. I've now won in Ireland, what next? Europe. Like, UK. Yeah. It's like the only thing that was left for him to do was America. Yeah. And then in his first season in America, won First it. full season in America, in a car that's completely brand new, mm. where he's going against cars and drivers that have been in this series for 14, 15 years, and have never won an event. Mm. He goes over and wins four events, hmm. ties the most events in a single most event wins in a single season, and a highest point haul ever, because he ma- I think he amassed five five podiums and two outside of uh, of the podium finishes, but the rest were wins. Hmm. So he came third, and four wins, hmm. and then a top sixteen elimination and hmm. a top eight elimination. It's absolutely ridiculous. And then you you look at his JDM All-Stars performance the year before he went over, and this is what pretty much sealed the deal with all our thoughts. Um, he qualified first at every round, six rounds it was. Qualified first six rounds and won five of them and came second in the last one. If, if you want to completely annihilate a championship, that is the way to do it. And I've never seen... There's no one on this planet in drifting that has that consistency. And at the start of this conversation, I mentioned his age. He's 25. Mm. You know what I mean? Most of the people he's going against nowadays are in their 30s, coming up to their 40s. Mm. He has at least another 15 years yeah. in whatever. And he, is, mm. he has dominated absolutely everything he's ever mm. entered since. And I've had the pleasure of watching James Dean drive, I think, three, three times now. And mm. every single time I've seen that man drive, I learned something new about drifting and that's mm. just from watching Yeah, the, the man's car control and how you can get a car to move and carry so much speed mm. compared to everyone else and that's it as well as if you think about drifting it is controlling an out of control car yeah and then to do it how he does it mm. like he in fairness to him as well he doesn't have the fastest car on the grid no like, we were having that conversation st- earlier today it was like uh, what was it? You showed me a clip. I think it was either yesterday or earlier today, where it was James Dean in a much less horsepower yeah, 400 car. Yeah, four hundred and like yeah, I think he was in like a four hundred something horsepower car going against like a seven, seven eight hundred, eight hundred horsepower, yeah. and still just like technically sound in yeah. terms of like sticking with the cars and that. Yeah, J- James Dean qualifies first all the time because. He knows exactly where to put the car. You know, you know, he he's pretty much, you know, first person if not, just after in into the into the drivers' briefing rooms. Mm. Should yeah. probably send him a message to get him to listen to this. Hopefully, probably love to listen to it. Hopefully, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's well. There you go. He's just um, probably on his way back from Dubai, actually. Uh, because he got invited to the first ever, you know, international, um, 
Where is that? Is that Middle East? No, that's not Middle East. UAE. UAE. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It is quite Jog- late. Yeah, I mean, it's now probably four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And he got invited over to their first ever international series. It's called the Omen Oils um, International Drift Championship. That's a mouthful. It is. It is. Um, yeah, and he took his Bud Matt Auto Falcon Tire S14 over, which he has dominated Europe in for the past four years. And qualified first and won all three events. So qualified first in three events and won, all, won them as well. So I've just said, now that's two seasons of memory where he's mm. done that. Then there's his Formula D championship run like mm. if we were to pull up statistics I think he, he's amassed over a hundred podiums easily a hundred podiums mm. and he's probably lost less than ten times mm. you'll probably count on one hand how many times yeah. actually lost. There, there is no one in this country there is no one in Europe mm. with that statistic nowhere near mm. Jack Shanahan is getting there but it Let's not forget that man started drifting four years ago, mm. and a key to Jack's success is is his mentor, who Here was James <laughs> Dean. Yeah, yeah. Um, sticking with drifting, but slightly moving into the next topic. Um, I remember watching. I can't remember what series it was, but some of the driving suits in the thing. I can't remember what driver it is, but his driving suit is a tuxedo. Yeah, that's Matt Powers, yeah. <laughs> I fucking love that. Yeah. I fucking love that. Or was it a blue one? No, or it was like one. black with like a little white bit down the middle and a bow tie actually. On yeah, it, yeah. On because there's a guy in the Irish series that's kind of, say copied, Copy. but sort of <laughs> done his own sort of spin on it. Mm. With, all the sponsors he has, which is name is Peden Nielsen, which is actually a very, very funny guy, and he does a lot of what we're doing now, and he does also vlogging. It's a very, mm. very good guy actually. Um, but yeah, Matt Powers is the guy with the best, best race suits. Yeah, easy. Because like I don't know, like a lot of drivers lack sort of imagination. Well, that's it. It's the whole thing in it. It's like if you can't have fun doing something, yeah, then what's the point? Yeah. And the idea of drifting is fun. Mm. It's like there's the competitive side, but then there's the fun. Yeah, like it, it's the funnest thing I've ever been a part of easily. And the, you know, I could go on about one of the funniest days we've had in drifting, which I still to this. Day, I'm laughing now. Still to, <laughs> the, still to this day, will make me laugh. Um, but it's drifting is a lot of self-expression because mm. when you're sideways. It's you controlling the car, mm. so you can control it in a way you want to. Mm. Yeah, self-expression. So why not have self-expression with the way your car looks and the way you look driving it? That's the idea. Where mm. a lot of people are very, you know, competitive heads and head down to yeah, it. Focus just and... on the technical side yeah. of it. I mean, you look at people when they pull off like a backwards entry. Yeah. Like that's them expressing themselves. Like, oh, yeah. look what I can do. Yeah. Now, that's the, you know, I'll go back to him again, but James Dean, he, although he wins everything, his driving style is an absolute marvel to watch. Mm. It really, really is. Like, it's the, I've never seen anything like it. I really haven't. I think the only time I've ever seen something as interesting as his driving 
really is when Shanahan does qualifying laps. Mm. Jack Shanahan knows, yeah. But right, moving on to the next topic. Otherwise, we'll have nothing else to talk about. No, you won't. <laughs> I mean, it is a massive part of your life. Yeah. However, do you want to talk more of it than just drifting? Yeah. So, fashion. fashion. So, for most of the people, well, in fact, all of you, because you can't see us, Tyler likes his jewellery. I do like So, he's jewelry. currently got on three rings, his nose is pierced, and he's got three, three piercings in his ears. Yes, yeah. None of which are cheap. No. Nothing I'm kind of wearing is cheap, and mm. I also... Well, those yeah. headphones are cheap. <laughs> I think the jeans I'm wearing are cheap. Yeah. But... Yeah, that's another thing, really. Like I said, about self-expression. Mm. I'm a type of person... I don't know, I grew up to, like, a certain age. I think it was, like, 14, 15, and I realised, like, you know, when you're in school and... There's, there's crowds you can chase hmm. you know for your own that's it usually it's like there's the the girls who's like everyone wants to be part of that group yeah. and then you've got the lads who are usually like the footballers or like the yeah. rugby well in Wales probably the rugby lads yeah and then it's like not the outsiders but the ones who aren't in that group yeah so to speak but some people can be like I'm outside that group but want to be in it and yeah. some people are probably like yourself who are like this is me I'm myself, and that's the way it is. Yeah. So, with me, like I said, I got to a certain age where I didn't like following suit. You know, this whole, like, set down example. Do this, do that, be like them, be like... And, you know, not like you look around the globe, most of the world follows suit to everything Mm. else. It's like, you know famous quotes look at all those people down there like they make choices mm. but they're never really you know people just don't really tend to break out of the norm so mm. my fashion sense well, it's like that thing and it's like why be a sheep and follow the person in front of the slaughterhouse yeah like exactly. be, be yourself be yourself so self-expression that's how I sort of do it with my with my fashion I tend to wear clothes and buy clothes that no one else wears or mm. if there's a limited edition shoes I try to get them oh, because don't, I know don't fucking start on my shoes shoe collection as well which is intensely growing my I shoe. mean go, going back to self-expression yeah. like this podcasting this yeah. is my self-expression yeah uh, what was it went to VidCon last about this time last year yeah and saw people who've been making millions from doing podcasts videos stuff like that even if like to one person's idea of a shit thing is someone's like that that's what i want to do yeah like i tried vlogging wasn't for me and then it was like started watching things like the joe rogan podcast and like ear biscuits by good mythical morning Mm -hmm. i mean i met them and one of them's fucking huge (laughs) ret like he's probably about six 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 seven i mean i won't talk to you about height because you'll mention what's the name leonard is it this oh leonard (laughs) lithuanian but i mean i'm only i'm only five five so i mean my dad is tall to me yeah good old paul good old paul but um yeah like shoes 
Yeah, so what shoes have you got? You've got your Supra... Skytop 5 Chad Masker Edition shoes on at the moment, which are the most robust shoe in I've ever owned, <laughs> being the fact that they are quite a you know really, really nice-looking shoe, to be fair. They look quite delicate. You really want to tend to wear them in harsh conditions. Now, we had a storm last week, or the week... Uh, yeah, the week before the week Beast before from the East. Beast from the East. And... I didn't really have any snowshoes. I thought, you know, fuck it. This this has got this has got pretty much half a Michelin tire on, half on, on the bottom of my shoe. Yeah, half a semi slick <laughs> worth of rubber on the bottom, and you wore that. Didn't slip over once, and they cope really, really well. Like really, really well. I mean, never There's mind. No damage to them whatsoever. Never mind the snow. You've done a shoey out of it. I've done a shoey out of this shoey, I kind of had a sesh back of mine and I kind of spilled a drink into my shoe and then... You know, <laughs> rather than waste it. it. Yeah, rather than waste it, drank So you've got it. that pair of Supras, then got the red Supras. Red Vaders, yeah. And then you've got... Beige Bandits. Beige Bandits. Then you've got... Two pairs of the Knights now, which are the Salan Special Edition. Saland is a very, very expensive Danish uh, clothing brand, which mm. they collab with Nike. We've done a high top. Then I got the premium 97s greys, which are suede, and they got 3M pretty much. 3M is uh, a reflective It's like the high-vis stuff. Like yeah. When you shine a light on it or take a picture of it, it yeah. reflects. So I got them. Um, I've got a few pairs of Adidas, two very, very special edition Adidas shoes. I mean, what, the ones that you've just got? Yeah, I'll get to them now. I got... Alexander Wang Skate Mid, so they're designer Adidas mm. shoes. You can get them unless you get them off their website or whatever. And then my absolute treasure at the moment, uh, my Adidas Neighborhood NMDs, mm. which were designed by a Japanese clothing brand, which I think their cheapest item is like £400, which... That's clothing, not shoes. Mm. So the first sale, I think they're very, very limited edition shoes, and I didn't, unfortunately, didn't get them on the <coughs> the raffle um, on the Adidas website. So I bought them off eBay instead, and they arrived and completely in love with them. And like all my other shoes, they will probably be ornaments until I'm brave enough to wear them, which living in Great Britain, never. So, especially in Cardiff, in one of the wettest cities Cardiff, yeah. of the UK. Yeah. It's probably raining now, just to let you know. Now. Yeah. <laughs> or it's going to rain while we're going to be doing photography, which I'll probably oh, jump in the River Taff if that happens. So, I'll yeah. hold your camera. You hold my camera. You take, you take control. Of but it. as well as shoes, you like your clothes as well. I do. So yeah. Surge. So my favourite brand is... Well, you've got So Surge, Only for the Blind. I know oh, them too. Blind, yeah. And then you've got your denim jacket, which I can't remember the Surge brand of. denims. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then your hats as well. Yeah. So my hats tend to come from my uh, drift drift companies I'm mm. involved with. So uh, SH, Smoke Rose is one. I got my team hat from Acorn Motors Insurance. And then... Well, Acorn Genesis Motorsport, sorry. And 
the other two I have are from Hate Hard, which is like a Lithuanian company. We got involved with drifting for about a year while we went around Europe. Um, and then focused them back on uh, snowboarding. Um, but they're a really, really nice bunch of people. Really, like I spoke to the owner quite a lot when he sends my hats over. Very nice guy. Uh, very, very nice designs as well. Um, it's like italic sort of, uh, you know, yeah, font. Yeah, like a cursive. Yeah. Italic font um, on the hat. And then, you know, black and gold or red and grey, mm. which is... The, the the two I chose anyway. Yeah. But going back to jewelry, so you've got your three rings on your fingers, and know you've got more. Yeah. And then you've got your earrings. So, yeah. I know the black studs you've got. They're Thomas Sabo. Yeah. And then you've got the cross. Which is Serge Daniels. And then you've got your Apache ring, which I swear to God, if he hits you with it, you fucking feel it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it happens to me on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of forget I have it on, and you know, being Elliot is such a good friend. I have to punch him now and again. Just it also mind. works as a bottle opener as well. That we found out. Yes, <laughs> bottle opener, brilliant, mm. brilliant bottle opener. And there's no marks in it at all. You know, there's no damage mm. or nothing. And he's always there, always watching. That sounds kind of creepy, but never mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, so he's always watching. And the other two rings I got at the moment, uh, I. One's like a Celtic. Kind yeah, of one's a Celtic ring, which is very Welsh. <laughs> Thank you. And the other one is just a stainless steel round one, but mm. it's kept its shape. No scratches, no visible indentations. Mm. Robust. Probably the the cheapest one I've got, mm. but the one I've worn the most easy. Mm. And the Celtic one is pretty much no longer a circle. It's an oval. Christ. Um, I think it's well, kind that's of it. I, to my finger. I've only got my two rings, yes. but to put a price on them would probably be disownment from the family because one was an 18th birthday present of my grandparents, and the other one was a 21st hand down from my uncle. Yeah, that one I know is an Art Marnie ring, but it's weird. Like I've got it here. Open. Yeah, so it's like it's not. A perfect ring, like it's bent, almost like. Yeah. But you find with these rings, or any ring, if they bend, they've kind of mold your finger better. Mm. Like that, that slides on like butter, but then. Yeah. It won't come off. Yeah. But then my pride and joy is on the shelf over there. Your Rolex. My Rolex. Your Rolex. (laughs) Wiley. (laughs) Yeah. Never mind Wiley. Webster. Dave. <laughs> yeah, actually, let forget every other topic that we're going to talk about. The reason behind the name of this podcast being the House of Dave is partly down to you. Yes. And friends well, of last year. Yeah, well, you know, get comfortable with my arrival into student life at Halls. Um, you know, getting to be myself, which I get... Pretty, pretty much call everyone Dave. I mean, absolutely everyone is mm. called Dave. Girls, Males, female, females, whatever animals, you identify as, you are Dave. You know, insects, Dave the caterpillar. Every, you know, Dave is Dave. Mm. Yeah, and the occasional Steve. That's if Dave is not. The, you know. The I mean, name thankfully, we, we had the um, delight of actually meeting an actual Dave. We did. 
He's a very, very good man. Shout out David Fear. David Fear, yes. Good old David Fear. The man can move. The man can move, yes. Right. <laughs> what a night that was. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Five, five minutes, if that. Yeah, well, get a, you know, a very, very tall Jamaican lad. Good looking Jamaican lad. Yeah, very, very good looking Jamaican lad. Looks after himself. Looks after the himself. only thing against him is he supports Man United, hashtag 2-1. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, we all make bad decisions. Yeah. But um, yeah, the man's from Jamaica, yeah, but lives in, in Cayman. Lives in the Cayman Islands, and what a guy, what a guy! And funnily enough, it took him a very very long time to get to grips with me and the boys, <laughs> which then I uh, got to adopt by calling everyone Dave. Mm. Because every time he'd say Dave, he'd be looking around like, "What? What?" <laughs> yeah. He still does it now. He still kind of like Mm. basically doesn't really understand that Dave is Dave. Mm. But um, yeah, where were we? we Oh, it's because we were talking about Dave. Dave. Yeah. So fashion we talked about. So you like your clothes, you like your shoes, but shoes, investments, or are you actually going to wear them? Because we've been having this conversation it for a depends, while. It depends, but the more I look at the whole reselling vibe, it depends on how many have been sold. I know three pairs of the shoes I have are now going to be considered dead stock, which dead mm. stock is then not going to be released Discontinued, again. yeah. Discontinued. Um, won't be released again, so the price will start to go up the rarer they get, but it depends on how much they released. Um, I think my 97s are going to take a lot longer because... They are mass produced. Yeah, the the thing is, they were the premium collection, which they weren't. So they only available in select stores. JD Sports, which is where I work, um, but for some reason, JD Sports decided to re-release them, which for free three weeks, which was annoying. Which, um, yeah, they they went on sale, and normally with resale shoes. It's quite a few months after the initial release, but they released them, they fired out, and then they released them again. I think partly Jesus that was demanded. because of the 98s come out oh, yeah. the same week. Yeah, so probably 97s, get, not get yeah. rid of them, but get them out so that yeah. like you can get the 98s. Yeah, there. but going back to resale, the neighbourhoods, if I wait long enough, will be quite a lot of money and then hopefully the Salans will be quite a lot of money because they're the next I wouldn't say the next because I think if a lot of people are watching this or will listen to this uh, podcast will realise or know of the brand called Off-White and that is anything really jumpers it's, you're not going to be spending a hundred dollars you're not going to be spending two hundred dollars not going to be spending three hundred dollars. It's well over. Could you compare it to like Supreme almost? Yes. Yeah, but Supreme's a bit different because they're they're, only... they're literally just slap the word Supreme on anything. Yeah. Like I was watching the Joe Rogan podcast, and his um, cameraman was showing like you can buy like a Supreme crowbar, yeah, and like a Supreme brick, yeah, a brick, a brick. Like, which actually you can only get on Thursdays because that's the only time they release 
clothing, which mm. is really, really interesting, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah. What was I going to say? Supreme, sampling Supreme on anything. Like, have you seen, um, like, the spin-offs that people are taking the piss out of Supreme with? No, it's like you know the way they've got like the plain white t-shirt and then it's just like the little red bar supreme yeah it's like generic or overpriced (laughs) yeah (laughs) and stuff like that it's just like i'd rather own one of them yeah than but there's the rick and morty one as well which is quite good yeah (laughs) swifty yeah no yeah like super i tend to get into like supreme now but they did release um Clothing set which they tied with Louis Vuitton. Mm. Well, it's the red sole, isn't it? Yeah. So. so Louis Vuitton and it's a like a sort of a hoodie, absolutely gorgeous piece of clothing. To be fair, and you're never gonna pick up one of them ever unless you're um, DJ Khaled, an Arab. Shouldn't have said that. Should not. Have. Well, to be fair, yeah, because they are very very prominent in fashion. Yeah. To be fair, very very prominent in fashion. Um, yeah, they kind of like very limited edition mm. clothing um so yeah louis vuitton done a collaboration with supreme and actually it's a picture of, i think paul pogba wearing it mm. really 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 nice set of gear um yeah so going back to the shoes all about the salans which is a brand in in denmark they don't really do anything they just collaborate with some sports brands now and again with their own orientation which is really really cool to be fair and then yeah, they've done the Nike SBs, which the only look alike to them is the the um, Virgil Abra Abra, I think it's mm. or whatever. Yeah, Virgil Abra Off White collection, which they they went on sale last week for one hundred and sixty quid. Those shoes, they're now reselling at a thousand two hundred already. Yeah. So, so shoes can we you know these days investments easy mm. and so are clothes. I mean the thing supreme. is like I find it hilarious. Like me and you are like probably the best of mates. Yeah. But your fashion compared to my fashion is yours is like so surge, only for the blind, supras, mm. really expensive shoes. Yeah. And then like put it this way, my probably most expensive shoes. Are my tubular invaders? You got a pair of Timberlands, didn't you? Did I don't know where they are. Yeah. Plus, I've fucked them up. <laughs> don't know where they are. <laughs> I think they're in Holland. Well, there you go then. See, Waiting that's... for you to return. Yeah. To give him some fucking TLC with that crap protector. I, I think it's spelled like pizzas on them. You take it. <laughs> or, no, I know what it was. Barbecue sauce. Oh. On the right toe. <laughs> But put it this way, there isn't a day, probably, where Tyler doesn't comment on the condition of my shoes. No. So, most of the time, you'll find me in a pair of white, well, I say white, meant to be white converse. My, <laughs> Tyler's just pulling a face in disgust. My Nike Airs, the red ones. My brown beige tubulars. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, yeah, but even them, you've had to go and they are what your tubulars, yeah, yeah, because you just bought them. <laughs> See, this is what I have to put up with on a daily yeah. basis. You've just bought them, and they're f- 
ruined already. Like ruined. You were gonna say fuck, just say it. Fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> they were fucked. Yeah, they're fucked. <laughs> Unimpressed. Yeah. They're a nice shoe, comfy shoe, and the ones he got as well were kind of a rare colour code. Told him that. I went away for a few days, come back, and they were black. Where did you go, Elliot? Live lunch. Yeah. <laughs> the viewers that are not from maybe or the listeners. Put it this way, in Cardiff, Live Lounge is the, <coughs> me- the, the mecca of a night out. It's yeah. like, oh, you've missed your entry to any club, Live Lounge. Last entry at two o'clock, open till four. Yeah. Oh, you can't get into revs because the queue's around the fucking corner. Live Lounge, last entry at two, open till four. One pound bottles on a Tuesday. I'm like, Live Lounge needs to pay me for this podcast. I'm selling them well. Yeah. Happy hour, two traffic lights, four pound eighty. Gets you wankered. Yeah, you're absolutely right off your twat after a few. But with, with caution, avoid the Long Island iced tea. Yes, avoid the Long Island iced tea. Unless you're Irish, which they tend to, you know, really, really go for it. But, mm. um, yeah. But, but Tyler nearly lost a finger that one night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> one of the first major nights you went out. Yeah. Just dancing in the middle of the thing, and next minute, just there. And there's his finger where it's not like halfway up his hand. Yeah. And then you had to reset it and just heard this horrible bone crunching. Over the speaker. Over the speaker. <coughs> but yeah. That was fun. It I was mean, fun. We, we haven't been out in a while. No. I kind of had a baby. Yeah. <coughs> little, <coughs> little meadow. Little meadow. But um, yeah. I haven't been out because I'm broke. Yeah. But hashtag student life. That's thing I ever go at him about is watch your fucking money, boy. And he doesn't. I do, but then when you go to JD and see that the new Preds are on offer at 70 quid, you you can't say no. No, no. no. I mean, 70 quid. I never buy them because they're football boots and I don't play football. I do a sport where it requires two balls, not one. So, <laughs> I like that. But, um, yeah, going back to fashion yeah. and then moving into photography, that's one of the aspects of photography that you specialise in? Yeah. Fashion photography, it's... I don't know, you grow up, you see fashion, and then you see how it's photographed, and you have a go at it. And mm. then the first ever fashion shoot I did worked extremely well. And that's obviously because I've been... You know, all the years I've been paying attention to it, watching it, has, you know, switched on, well, flipped a switch in my head. So as soon as I went into taking photos of it, mm. I was I was good at it. My problem with photography, before we get into photography, really, is that mm. I don't really show my photography. Because mm. I don't have a Mac where I can upload it as soon as I've taken it, which is an absolute pain in the ass. Because mm. if I did... I think my life would be so much better because I could just go out and do shoots, come back and upload straight away. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? All the photos I've taken since 2014 when I first started photography, mm. no one can see apart from people I've worked with and I've had to give them the photos mm. through uni and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so that is a huge, huge step for me and a huge goal for me. Now my baby's year and all the stresses of that has gone throughout the year mm. since finding out in August to her birth last not even last week. It is last week. Thursday? Yeah, Thursday early morning. So tomorrow, lads. Week old. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. 
I need to get my pictures onto my Instagram, onto my Facebook, get a Facebook page started and Instagram started because you never know, I could make could potentially make some good money from that mm. and then I could actually start to enjoy doing photography a lot mm. more than I am now. So yeah. Um, I mean, that's not to say that our little adventures at, you know, four o'clock in the morning, which it's going to be, aren't fun. No, they are really <laughs> fun. I mean, you know, someone who doesn't know much about photography, mm. I think the last time we've done something like this, the straight question was like, I didn't know photography was this difficult, or you had to do so much to a camera to mm. take like a the photo. ISO and... Yeah, because your phone camera, yeah, fair enough, it is a very, very clever piece of kit these mm. days where you just tap the screen and press a button or not even a button, it. you just tap the screen again. But you'll never be able to get the exact same shots as you would from a camera where you can really, really play around with apertures and shutter speeds and stuff like that. Mm. <coughs> Um, and then there's the big step when it comes to phone photography is the sensor in the size of a phone, which is probably about the size of a crumb. So mm. if you want to blow those really, really cool selfies up or really, really cool photos you've taken of sunsets, you know, mm. cliche as fuck. But, um, that must be a photographer's nightmare. <sighs> if someone asks you, like, oh, can you like take a picture of me with the sunset? And she'll like, just like, kill yourself. It's just... You know, it's like having a wedding in Hawaii. So original. Sort of I mean, I'd so quite like to go to Hawaii. I wouldn't, I wouldn't get married there. Well, oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? But everyone gets, you know, the whole thing. Oh, let's get married in Hawaii. Yeah, like, I want to I wanna get married on the beach with, like, the ukulele and... Oh, my God. The tiki torches and the hula girls and all cringe, that. Cringe, cringe, cringe. <laughs> I want to get married in a church... I probably won't, and I've said that. You never know. I mean, I want to get married. Whether I actually will, we'll never know. Yes. Yeah, I don't think... I'm not at that stage. Mm. Although people are kind of asking me, because I have been with my girlfriend now for six years. Mm. It's not a desire for me to get married whatsoever. Well, that's it. I mean, she's just popped out a kid. Yep. My beautiful baby girl, yeah. not, Not to use a relatable thing, but let's crawl before we can walk. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, so we're off to do some photography and a bit of a project for you, Unicolors, because yeah. that's what you do. Because that's what you're doing at uni, isn't it? Photographic yeah. practice. Photographic practice. So my topic I've got to do at the moment is called uh, time for change. So I've decided to take pictures of buildings under construction in Cardiff because. Cardiff, as we know it, really, really is changing. And, you know, I've lived near Cardiff nearly all my life. And um, before I lived here uh, last year, I wasn't really aware of how many student accommodations there was. Turns out there was really only four or five or six. Oh, about seven. Yeah, seven, like, private halls. Yeah. But halfway, not halfway, but a few months into me living in this new building actually that got built here or converted into a, a private accommodation two other massive structures mm. were, were being built and they were also student accommodation now I was already thinking about you know 
taking photos of that construction mm. but yeah. taking pictures of a crane is really really difficult when you're on a course that's you know very very expressional mm. and you have to make interesting photos it's quite difficult to uh, to do so um yeah what gave me the idea to do it was the fact that even though those two have just been built and they're massive like 500 beds 600 beds oh. there are even more being built and that seems to be where at nearly every crane site there mm. is in Cardiff is building a student accommodation whereas three four years ago that mm. no that, that's, that that wasn't happening and all the years before that there was you know and then for the past two years now there are about nine mm. in these in these next few years and the last year there would be a total of 11 student accommodations I think what they're trying built. to do is stop the idea of students living in a shared house yeah because it's less for the students to worry about yeah which brings me up to a very very interesting topic on that to be fair now what would you rather living in a strict accommodation or a flat where you can convert your kitchen into a dance floor hire a dj and have 400 people turn up at your flat or house mm. which is to be fair a terrace, common, a terrace, terrace house. house in the middle of Cate's, yeah which we kind of, it's a funny night this one yeah. we went to the Woodville <coughs> um, which is a local pub to us student pub and on the way back we saw we all we music, could hear was music dum, 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 yeah. dum. and that walked past one house and that's where that was coming from and it was kind of a bit dead it was like one or two people stood outside but nothing really going on inside then we get further down the same street mm. now consider how big the student mecca of Cardiff is with Cates and all right. the other places yeah, right. Lord knows how many other bloody uh, house buyers are going on mm. but the one at the bottom of the street we kind of like we're getting close to and then two guys approaches and said there's a house buying you you're going in so long story we didn't really so, have a choice didn't really have a choice they kind of pushed us through the door went in and just absolutely blown away so mm. like I'm just saying here now convert your kitchen into a dance floor and accommodate 300 people or live in a student accommodation which is extremely expensive mm. and have a curfew of music off at 11 and any time it gets raised or you're doing something late at night coming through the courtyard or going out for a smoke and you're a bit loud you're going to get told off and the more telling off you get the more serious the apprehensions are whereas I'm pretty sure if it's a house any damage is just you you lose your bond like mm. that's whatever yeah so it's up to you you know mm. live or like I said earlier go out of you know the norm mm. self expression well I think that's a good point to leave it on yeah. there self expression do you happy with that yeah do you All right. I didn't get anywhere in my drifting without self-expression because that's literally what it is well that's it isn't it? it's like no one gets anywhere without taking a risk yeah and being yourself hmm yeah oh well I'd say that's a good place to leave it off it so thank you for listening to the second instalment in the House Day of Podcast yes um, next time I'm not sure who the guest's going to be or whether we're going to have a guest or whether it's going to be me but just want to extend the thanks to Tyler for coming on to it and talking to Cheers. us about 
drifting, photography, and Fashion. his very expensive shoes. Um, <laughs> so I'll catch you all in the next podcast. I'll, and I think Tyler's got one more thing to say. Yeah, and going back, I don't think we covered two drivers or one driver in particular we should have covered, really. We'll do it in another podcast when the season starts to see how well he's yeah. going to do this year. Well, that's it's it. I've Connor, got another pod- Shanahan, I've yeah. got another podcast lined up with Alex yeah. around the time of the World Cup. Yeah. And once the Drift Series starts... Um, in a few weeks' time. Yeah, in a few weeks' time. Um, I'll leave a link for the Shane Lynch library yes. in the description of the podcast. And also the James Dean battle with... Jonathan Castro, which he lost. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, so once again, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you all in the next one. Cheers. Bye. Ta-ra.